All right, Acts chapter will mainly be in 16, but we are going to catch the last part of 15. So we've been doing our series in Acts. I can go through the whole introduction there. Do you want me to do that? But Acts 1-8 is the main thing right there, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And so we see that progression happen throughout the book of Acts from Jerusalem, and then it goes out to Samaria, other parts of Judea, and then eventually we're going to get to Rome. So right now we're in Paul's second missionary journey, just starting to touch upon that. So now we're getting into the other parts of the world, right? One of the things I do appreciate in the book of, of uh, Luke, but also more so in the book of Acts that Luke writes, is that he does not hide from us some of the conflict or the tension that took place in the early church. He gives us a fairly accurate picture of what the church had to deal with. And I think that's important because just as we are over 2,000 years later now still doing church work and ministry, what does the church look like? It gives us a realistic picture that when there sometimes is tensions or, or um, conflict that it's not abnormal. It is normal part of church life, right? And even a lot of the tension and conflict happen because of growth. And so you have growing pains. And so you see that in church life all the time, where as churches grow, there's, there's things that come up and you have to navigate through that. So we see that at least three times, if not more, in the book of Acts. And we'll see that in, uh, in, our, in our story a little bit today. Amen? All right. So this morning we are going to look at um, the last part of Acts 15. So... 15 is the Jerusalem, what's called the Jerusalem Council. They go to Jerusalem to report what had happened on the first missionary journey. So if you want to get into all that, you can go and listen back to past messages on YouTube, um, on our church channel there. But you can see um, they report all that had happened and everybody was excited. But it also created issues. Why? Because now Gentiles and Jews were sitting down at tables. They both had been saved by God's grace and His mercy, and they're sitting down at tables having fellowship, interacting t- together. They were going into each other's homes, but that caused issues because the Jewish people had some pretty strict moral standards as far as when food being sacrificed to idols and meat being strangled, how they handled the blood of an animal with the sacrifices. And, you know, even sexual immorality, okay, just that was a huge issue amongst the Gentiles. And so um, they had to come to some common ground of what, what it would look like for the Gentiles to follow Christ. And, and a lot of the Jewish people said, you know what, they have to be circumcised if they're going to be saved, right? Because that was just part of the hallmark of being a Jewish believer or being Jewish was that they had to be circumcised. And, and they ended up leaving that part out. What they said is, you know, you can't... Uh, avoid meat being sacrificed to idols, meat with blood that's been strangled, and uh, sexual morality. Those are the things they said, because we're all saved by grace through faith alone. Amen? So, we're going to pick up that story here, but before we do, let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to study your word, and in these moments, I pray that you'd make it come alive for us. Speak to us, Lord God, by your word. We give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. So verse 36 of 15, we're going to catch the last part of this. And we did cover this in the message 
on John Mark. It was called the Deserters. So uh, we did touch upon that a little bit. So this is after the Jerusalem Council. They write up a letter. Now they send it out to all the churches saying, hey, this is our decision. This is what we need to avoid uh, for the Gentile believers. And it says in verse 36, Sometime later Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark, John also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him. Why? Because he had deserted them in Panthea and had not continued with them in the work. And so I, we go into that more of why he did he do that. We really don't know, but there's some uh, pretty good ideas there. Verse 39, they had such a sharp disagreement. So this is where we see Luke kind of just putting it in there, right? He's not hiding that from us. A sharp disagreement. What does that mean? I, you know, well, we'll find out. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Okay, so that there's some emotion involved there, right? Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and so we believe that Barnabas was from Cyprus, and so possibly John Mark, I believe, was there because uh, Barnabas uh, was John Mark's uncle, I believe, and they sailed for Cyprus. Verse 40, but Paul, who chose Silas, left and commended the believers in the grace of the Lord. They went through Syria, Sicilia, and strengthening the churches there. So they, some of the churches that had been started um, there. All right. Let's go to verse 1 of chapter 16. Then Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra. So these are churches in modern-day Turkey. Um, they, if you look in your map in the back of your Bible of Paul's missionary journeys, if you have that, if you have a paper version, you can see that there. Um, you'll see that Lystra and Derby were ones in Iconium. They were ones that he went through on the first missionary journey. In fact, it would be in Lystra that what, what would happen to Paul? He would be stoned and left for dead. Okay, that's where things kind of got a little intense. And uh, the, the community turned on them. They did this incredible miracle. They were ready to worship them. They were worshiping them, calling them Greek gods. And then all of a sudden people came from another community, turned the crowd against them. And Paul is stone left for dead. But they even go back into this community, and a great work has continued. All right? But there, there was also a disciple named Timothy. So we have two books in our Bible, First and Second Timothy, written by Paul to Timothy. And his mother, so he lives in uh, Lystra, and his mother was Jewish and a believer, so she had accepted Christ, but she had that Jewish tradition. But the father was Greek. He was Gentile. We don't know if he's a believer or not, um, but he was that Greek. So it was therefore understood that Timothy was uncircumcised. All right, but he was a believer. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of Timothy. And Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. So he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in the area. For they knew that his father was a Greek. Now, it just doesn't, doesn't that seem a little bit contradictory? Yeah, because they just have finished making the decision that circumcision wasn't necessary for salvation. So why did Paul have him circumcised? Um, it becomes clear that Paul didn't want that. To him, circumcision was a non-issue with salvation. He didn't want that to get in the way of maybe Jewish believers accepting Christ. And so he, um, he then just said, you know what, hey, let's go get it done. And uh, <laughs> it's easy when it was Timothy getting it done, and it's not Paul, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, 
But uh, he is circumcised, and then uh, they go on their way on the journey. He just didn't want that to be an issue, a stumbling block for some of the Jewish people to accept Christ. And as they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decision reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So that was the Jerusalem council. So the churches were strengthened in faith and grew in number daily, grew daily in numbers. Verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pergia and Galatia. So this is in that Lystra Derby area. But having been kept from the Holy Spirit from preaching the word of God in the province of Asia. So it's like they're wanting to go further north into Galatia and that area. Um, But it says that God is rejecting them. It's it's closing the door. It's saying no. The Holy Spirit is saying no. You're not going to go there. And when they came to the border, so then they kind of go northwest and they come to the border of Myasia. And there they try to enter Bithynia. So they're again going up north into Asia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go there either. So then they keep going more west. And so they passed by Myasia and they went down to Troas. So that was kind of a port city, Mediterranean Sea. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, they got ready. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, including that God had called us, concluding that God had called us to preach us to, <laughs> called us to preach the gospel to them. There we go. All right, what can we take away from this? I've entitled the message, When God Closes a Door. When God Closes a Door. So here are some principles that we can see here. First of all, this is very, uh, this is very, uh, Profound, so I hope you really catch this, all right? When God closes a door, try the next one. Now, it's simple, isn't it? But at the same time, sometimes we, we are going in a direction and we feel pretty confident that that's where God has taken us. And, and so we head in that direction, all of a sudden God closes the door. We don't, we don't know why God closed the door. Was there, was there persecution that was awaiting Paul? Uh, was there another area that needed Paul's attention? And that maybe was a very likely choice. Maybe it was both. We don't know. But God closed the door. But to Paul's credit, he doesn't just stop. He doesn't pout. He doesn't get angry at God. He simply goes on and tries the next door. He tries the next door. Um, we don't know why God closed the door. You know, and we're, at least we're not given the reason why God closed the door, are we? You know, and sometimes God gives us the reason why. And sometimes he doesn't, does he? It's my experience he usually doesn't. <laughs> he expects us to trust him. We try the door and God closes it. And it's kind of like, God, what are you doing? But to call Paul's credit, he obeyed the leading of the Holy Spirit without knowing why. He didn't quit. He didn't pout. He didn't throw a temper tantrum. He didn't pack up his bags and go home. He simply moved on to the next possibility. And it didn't happen just once. It happened at least twice in this story where God closed the door and he went on to the next place. The Holy Spirit said no. And it, it, it really is that language. I'm going to go back up and catch this here. Um, I had it in there, but 
It, the Holy Spirit was just, it was that it was forbid, prevented, kept them from. So it's just very strong language. And we, we don't know what, what that looked like, if it just meant that there was no peace in their heart. Maybe it was a prophetic word that came through as they were praying and seeking God. It was a prophetic word that came through and said, hey, we're not supposed to go that way. We don't know. All we know is that the Holy Spirit was speaking to them that that wasn't the direction that they were to go. God had closed the door, and so they moved on. Don't quit, don't give up when God closes a door. Number two, when God says no, don't force the door open. All right? None of you have been guilty of that. You know, we watch the movies, right, or TV shows, and the door's locked, and they, you know, we, they throw their shoulder and bust it open, right? All right? Maybe we've done that. Or we, we go, we, we're th- pretty smart, so we figure out, okay, how can we get around this and bend the rules a little bit? Right? People do that. God closes a door and kind of like, oh, I'm going to still go through that door even if I have to be sneaky about it, right? This can apply to a career move. It can apply to a relationship where God says no. It could be other important decisions that we have to make. And um, to honor that God closes the door can be very hard. Sometimes we use that brute force. Sometimes we bend the rules, right? In most cases, I don't believe that God will force, will prevent us from forcing our way through the door. Uh, but then we have to live with the consequences that we, that we make. I don't believe that God is wanting to harm us or steal our joy. I believe he has our best interests at heart when he closes a door. And sometimes he sees, all the time, he sees the big picture and we don't. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Okay, there's a relationship because trust just isn't, this isn't a formula. I always used to see these verses as a formula. Trust, lean not, submit, and it's all going to work out. But it all is related to relationship because as I know God and walk with him, I'm able to trust him, right? Trust isn't built through just a decision. It's built through that relationship, okay? A child will jump into their father's arms or their mom's arms. Why? Because... There's that relationship there. They trust them. All right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Ooh, that's, a, that's the hard one. But God, we know more than God does, right? At times we feel we do. In all your ways, submit to him or acknowledge him, depending on the translation you have, and he will make your path straight. We must trust his ways our best. We must trust that he has our best interests in mind. We must trust his wisdom. Just by way of illustration, we ended up in Crete because God closed several other doors. I've, I've shared about this a few different times, a few different ways, but we, um, we were down in Springfield, Missouri. I'll talk more why we ended up there. But we really felt like God was calling us either into teaching ministry or back into pastoring and just didn't really seem like there was a lot of teaching opportunities available. And so we looked at pastoring opportunities. We looked at Iowa. We looked at Nebraska because we knew well, it's good to have Dan here, but we knew uh, Dan's father at, the, at that point was the superintendent. And we knew him. Uh, so I had a friend here, a pastoral friend here that I took classes with. And then North Dakota. So we applied at all those. North Dakota, believe it or not, had no open churches in most districts. That never happens where you have no open churches, right? They didn't. They didn't have any. That's where we had came from, North Dakota. 
Iowa had a couple, so we applied there. And Nebraska had three because there was some transition that was happening in Nebraska. So Minotaur was open. Uh, that's where Dan lived for a time. That's where his folks had pastored. Um, Alliance was open, and then Fall City. So we applied at all them, and, and then in Iowa, and we had interviews, I think, with the church in Iowa. And then all three churches in Nebraska made that ino- initial interview with us. And so they, we talked with them, had these phone interviews, and then guess what? Nothing. It just went quiet. Nothing happened. Nobody got back to us. There was nothing. But it was during that time of silence and that God closed the doors that I talked with my friend who's pastoring in Lincoln, and he, he says, you know, um, we did just have a, a situation just come open in Crete. We were, we were going to do a church plant there, and we had a pastor lined up, and he left. And he goes, maybe, he goes, I think it would be a good opportunity for you. So then in April, we were here. We got here for red-white game, right, weekend. Got exposed to that. We met. Everything fell into place. And after we had made the commitment, the decision to come here, guess what? Alliance calls, Fall City calls, Minotaur calls. You know, God often will close doors, and he's not, he's using it to help direct the course of our life. And so we don't feel like we were here by accident. We believe that God was directing the course of our life. Um, Amen. Which leads to our final point. Move through the door that God opens. And that may seem kind of obvious there again, but I sometimes find that the door that God opens requires more faith than the the door that I'd have walked through. It's kind of like, God, I was willing to walk through that door. This door is kind of like, well, there's a little more faith involved here, right? All right? Okay, God, let's go back (laughs) to door number one, right? And, And God says, hey, I want you to walk through this door. I often find that it, it's a door that we can't do or walk through on our own strength or power. It takes His grace. It takes His Holy Spirit. It takes faith to trust Him. While Paul sensed this was the door that God was opening to them, they, he, has a, what, he has that dream, vision, right? The man calling them over. and Why didn't God give him the dream and the vision back the, when he closed the first door? I don't know. You're not, you know, th- those are some of the things we can ask God when we get to heaven if we get to it, right? If we really care. Why, why, why did he save the vision until then? We don't know. Maybe because God says, okay, now you're in Troas. Now, now's the time. I'm going to give you the dream and the vision. And he goes over. And we'll, we'll catch up more with the ministry that happens as he goes to Philippi and Thessalonica and all that. They do get on the next ship. But I believe that, it, you know, maybe this was Paul's first ship ride. I don't know. Maybe, who knows? I don't know. But they get on the ship, and they go to Philippi, and God would do some incredible things. This is his second missionary journey, yes. Mm-hmm. Good question. And so walk through the door that God opens. Trust him and trust his heart. God will not open a door for you that you cannot handle with His grace and the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And uh, I think at that point, Paul knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that why those other doors weren't the right opportunity, we don't know, but he knew that this is where God wanted him. He was to get on that ship, and they were to go to Macedonia and to share Christ there. Amen? In conclusion, I'm going to get you out here early today. Closed doors require patience and trust. Open doors require faith. 
And when God closes a door before us, he has our best interests in heart. He's guiding us. Don't force the issue, but rather try the doors before you and then walk through the door that God ultimately opens. I'm going to have the musicians come. So when I got out of Bible college, um, I, I youth pastored for a couple years while Amy finished out, and then we went to our first pastorate in Harvey, North Dakota. And we were there eight years. And, and God, God really, it, he blessed it there. I mean, we saw the church double. I mean, it was... Um, it was still rural, I mean, but you go from 40 to 70, 80, that's good, right? And it, it, was, it was hard ministry. It was a community the size of Wilbur. It, it was hard ministry. We would touch people that would never come into our church doors because they said, well, if I come there, I'm going to have family that just disown me or, or things like that. That's the way small towns sometimes work. And, uh, but towards the end of our time there, I just had a pretty deep desire to do some further education and I just didn't see how all that was going to happen I mean I prayed about it and uh, I was probably pretty discouraged and even depressed I think I was burned out I, we, our, we had all three kids at that point and I actually took on some additional work to make ends meet that did not that helped make ends meet but it also depleted my uh, physical and emotional resources and and so a position came open at our campgrounds, and, and uh, so I went there. And I don't know how much I prayed about it. It just seemed like maybe that's where I was supposed to go. And I went there, and God, God did some healing in our lives. Um, it was a good time for our family. My kids had the biggest backyard of anybody. I mean, it's the whole campground, right? So they, they loved it. Um, and then um, and I began my studies. I began to do classes. I'm working on my master's degree by extension. And I was going along until about two years into it, policy changed, and it's kind of like, well, it was going to be hard for me to, to com- continue on with my master's degree. And so God was closing a door. And I'm like, okay, God. So we began to think, man, we, well, we can go full-time to Springfield, go to classes. But that just seemed like a huge step of faith didn't have work. We didn't have any of that. It just seemed like it was too big. But God was closing the door. And so we applied for a job. Amy applied for a job and uh, before the school year began. And nope, no door opened. And so we just worked away. We tried to be faithful. And then December, it was like December 15th or 18th. I think it was maybe her birthday. She gets a call and says, hey, we have an open position at the Christian school. We have a teacher leaving. Can you be here January 1st? And she said, you know, it was fifth fifth and sixth grade math and science, which she told me that's what she would want to teach. And she goes, no, I just don't think it'll work. I mean, we're just, it'd be too quick. But then we, we, they said, well, take a few days to talk, talk it over, pray about it. And we did. And the more we thought about it, realized that it's exactly what she wanted and and there was still a lot of unknowns. So in less than two weeks, we were packed up and we had moved to Springfield. And I started classes. She started teaching down there. Um, and um, which then I went and finished out my master's degree. Some great experience down there working at Global University. And then we would come up here. Um, and what I will say that when God closed the door there, I could have had 
some hard feelings towards people. Um, because I didn't understand why some of those doors were being closed and how those doors got closed, to say that. And so I had to trust God. And as we followed God's, the open door that he did open, God was faithful. We didn't know how we were going to pay the bills when we got to Springfield. A uh, very stressful and anxious time in my life. But God did. And I, I've shared the story before that we went there with debt on a car and I had some call, debt from going to classes, but we let debt, left debt free. And we left with money to put a down payment on a house here in Crete. So that's the faithfulness of God. Um, but I can't guarantee you that sometimes those transitions or those doors that God opens and closes, sometimes we can take it personal. We really can. And, uh, and so we have to trust Him that when those doors close, that we can entrust those things to Him and trust Him on that. Amen? Would you stand this morning? I always give an opportunity that if you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, Scripture says to trust Him with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. That's the moment we invite Him into our heart and our life. And from here on out until we go into eternity. But I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation and then I'm just going to have a prayer over, over you all. But if you need to make that your own this morning, whether you're watching online or here, Christ wants to come into your life. He wants to forgive you of your sin and be the Lord of your life and give you the hope of salvation, the hope of heaven. And so let's pray together. Say, Dear God, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. And be with me with each step that I take. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Lord God, this morning I just pray for each one here. And at some point in life, you're going to close a door in our pathway, one that we maybe were prepared to walk through. Maybe the one we were even thinking, this is where God wants us, and you close the door. Um, and so, Lord God, I pray that you can give us the wisdom and uh, that we can learn from Paul, that if you close the door, to try the next one. And if that one's closed, try the next one until we, we get that clear direction of, God, this is where you want me. This is where I'm supposed to be. And so, Lord God, I pray you guide and direct our lives. You love us. You have the best in mind for us. So, Lord God, come. Uh, lead your people. Give us a heart. Give us a heart that hears your voice. And we'll trust you. We give you the thanks. We ask it in your name. Amen. Lord, this morning we just pray that you go with us this week. May we be reminded of your love for us, and how you're guiding and directing our lives. And, and sometimes your direction and your guidance is more obvious than others. Sometimes we have a difficulty just in, in, in sensing what is that next step or what you're doing causes us to trust you even more to lean into you more 
And Lord God, I just pray that you would have your blessing upon your people this week. Lord God, open up doors for us to share our faith and to share the hope within us. Um, Lord God, bless us just in our work and in what we do for you. And, um, bless our homes and our families, Lord God. And Lord God, go before us as we seek you and seek your heart. We give you the thanks we ask in your precious name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you this morning.